Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so the mother, a mother, a mother runs into the school in Uvalde, elementary school there, while police are cowering in the hallway and outside. I'm so disturbed by... You know, this whole story and how it's all playing out, you know, it's 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 very sad. You know, there's nothing I can't explain. You know, you can't explain. You can't lay it out. And, you know, what goes to a person's mind that shoots their grandmother in the face? What goes to a person's mind that walks into an elementary school and shoots babies, little kids? That is just that's that evil. I cannot explain. And so. But what what bothers me past that point is, you know, the just lack of preparedness, you know, of the school itself and then the lack of training by the law enforcement in that area. I mean, we found out, you know, way back doing uh, it was uh, the Columbine shooting. Whenever we had Columbine, they law enforcement got together and they came up with tactics. They say, OK, we need to look at this differently. You know, because of Columbine, because they were waiting outside for a tactical team to get together to breach the building, and that time elapsed, and it was just a complete cluster, they said, we're going to go forward and do this differently. The first group of police officers that arrive on the scene, you know, two, three, four, you go in, you know, three, four-man teams, you go in, you breach that school, you go in, you're going for the shooter to stop the shooter immediately. They're not they're supposed to step over bodies. They're going straight for the shooter until that shooter has stopped and then start getting, you know, the uh, getting everyone out, uh, people that are wounded and all that stuff. This was back in, you know, we, we, we discovered this plan was laid out after Columbine. And, and, and then also when we had this shooting in Texas at the high school just a few years ago, they said, look, 
What we need to do in Texas, because of this high school shooting, is we need to make sure we count the doors and make sure all these doors are locked and secured. So there was a whole conference about securing schools, locking doors, how many doors the school has, and all this stuff. And and here we are in Uvalde. Someone props a teacher or someone we don't know, props a door open. This guy wrecks his vehicle, and the timeline is so screwed up. You know, Tim McGraw, the, you know, the, the director for the Texas Department of Public Safety, it, this, it's, it's a cluster. It's all, it's all the cluster because the timeline that they're giving us makes no sense whatsoever. There's so many holes. There's so many questions. Every time they give this press conference, there are more questions than answers. You know, here we are. We're talking 1127 a.m. The door was propped open by a teacher. 1128, the car crashes that the shooter was in, you know, not too far away from the school. At 1130, the first 911 call goes out from someone at a, what was it? It was a, um, a, a, a funeral home because apparently he jumped out of his vehicle and shot at someone at a funeral home located not too far from the school. 1131, shooting started. You know, just outside the school, 1133, shooting continued. 1135, police are apparently on the scene. 1135, after four, three, four officers arrived on the scene, they should have breached and gone inside the school to chase down and stop this shooter. 1137, gunfire continued. You know, and then the timeline gets all screwed up. You know, I'm, I, I heard 11.50, you know, he was shot. I heard 12.50, you know, during this press conference. It was so messed up and so confusing on the timeline. But here's the thing. You go to the 911 call. You had a, a, an a elementary school child on the phone, little baby on the phone at 12.03 calling 911 in room 112, you know, begging for police to come and save them. She hung up. At 1210, she calls back again. 911, please come and save us. We're in room 112. At 1213, she calls again. You know, 911, please come and save us. We're in room 112. At 1216, she calls again. Same child. 911, please, please come and save us. And apparently at this time, the 19 police officers were outside the door in the hallway. According to Steve McGraw. You know, and this continues on. And they didn't breach, did not go into the room to stop this shooter until about 1243, 1247 p.m. You know, we're talking, my goodness, over an hour has passed by. We figured this out long ago. When it comes to shootings, you're supposed to, the first group of police officers arriving the scene go in as teams. The next group shows up, you go in as teams. Next group shows up, you go in as a team. You go in, you're going straight for that shooter to stop the shooter. You had school resource officers that were that arrived on the scene early on. Why didn't the school resource officers have keys to the doors to the classroom? A master key. This is a complete cluster. You're the school resource officer for this particular school, and you can't get entry into a room? What is your job? Complete cluster. Uh, and I'm, all I'm hearing are excuses. Um, I have more questions than I do answers. And then what happens? A mother is trying to get to her child. This mother, a mother drives 40 minutes, 40 minutes to the school after hearing about the shooting. 
She stops what she's doing, jumps in her car, drives 40 minutes. Police try to stop her. They hold her down. They handcuff this mother, this mama bear, handcuff her. She, they finally release her from handcuffs, and she bolts for the school immediately. She goes in, and she grabs her two kids, and she pulls them out. A mother, while the police were cowering outside. Uvalde, police department, your, your, your tact teams. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where the, you know what the breakdown is, but we need to get this together. We, this should have been a plan that was practiced, and it should have been executed without mistake, without flaw. We have been, this is something that is, you know, they should have planned for for years. You know, we're talking the high school. There have been so many shootings around this country. You know, so many different, you know, procedures have come out, and it, it, it just should have been very simple. Not a question of what should have been done. The mother, the parents should not have been waiting outside begging police officers to go inside to save their children. You know, you have how many, Gary, how many were shot and killed? 19. 19. <clears throat> 19. And this, this is just sad. Sad situation. Very sad. And then I get phone calls from uh, head of law enforcement agencies, you know, from around the country saying, Michael, would you please support raising the age of someone purchasing a firearm at tw- to 21 years of age? Absolutely not. I need you guys to do your job. You know, unless we're going to raise the age of someone going into the military to 21. Unless we're going to raise the age of someone to be able to vote to 21. Unless we're going to ra- raise the age of someone being able to drive a car to 21. You know? Unless we're going to raise the age of someone being able to change their sex to 21. You know, let's keep it real. No, absolutely not. We don't want to have that conversation. We come back from the break. We got more. We're going to break this down. Going to talk about the parents. I want to. I want you to hear from the grandfather. Um, this is sad. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones, <laughs> and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talking. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're going to got a video from the father of the alleged shooter, Yavaldi. Take a listen to this. Room alone? Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, sometimes he would go, I'd take him to work with me. Not all the time, but I would take him to work. And it didn't seem like he went to school very often. No, well, this past year he didn't go to school. He didn't graduate, but he didn't go to school. Why? I don't know. You and know, you, you tell them, you tell them, and they think they know kids nowadays, they know everything. Did you notice that... He was growing disturbed. Was he becoming no, yeah. upset? Was he any he, different? He was very quiet. He, he, he was very quiet. Everybody says he, yeah, he almost didn't talk very much. No, he didn't talk very much. Did he talk to you? Well, just when we go to work or here or there, you know. What kind but of th- very, very, very seldom. What kind of things would you talk about? No, we never did have a conversation. Just I remember he would tell me sometimes. I remember when I was little, I would carry him, and he would tell me things like that. Why didn't he live with his mother? They had a, uh, what you call it, a, probably problems or something. And so it was his birthday last Monday? Turned 18? Yeah, on the, the 16th or something. Yeah, last week I think it was his birthday. Yeah. My wife took him to Applebee's to eat supper or dinner or whatever. It's did a shame. You, did you know that he bought those weapons? No. Like I said, I don't like weapons. Yeah. I cannot be around weapons. Because you have a record, yes. and you—it's illegal for you to actually yeah, be around. Yeah, that's right. I cannot be around guns. I don't—I—I I hate when I see all the news. All those people that get shot. I'm against all that. I say, why do they let these people buy guns and all that? Those stupid, whatever they shoot. And Rolando, when you heard about the shooting, what did you do? Did you even know that it was your grandson? No, the the the, the, the neighbor called me. He told me she had been shot, and when I came over here. He told me that he, he had taken off on the... And your son, your grandson didn't have a driver's license, right? No. He didn't even know how to drive. No. What, what, what went through your mind when you heard? I didn't say nothing. It still hasn't sunk in yet. And so did he ever talk about guns or weapons with no. you? Did he talk about being upset or, or angry? No. Saying it came out of the blue. If you could have done anything differently, oh, would you I have would, done? I didn't know he had weapons or nothing or, or this or that. There. If I would have known, I would have reported him. You would have reported your own grandson. All right. So this, you know, it always goes back to parenting. You know, the fact that this young man stayed with his grandparents who are, you know, they're grandparents. They're older. You know, can't keep up with a young man who's, you know, 17, just turned 18. He's now 18 years old. Can't keep up with him the way a young, a young mother or father could. So he's staying with the grandparents. You know, the grandparents are trying to work, uh, do what they're doing. You know, he had to be involved in something else, you know, other than 
uh, working with the grandfather not going to school because, look, we're talking – let's talk about the type of rifles that he purchased. Because yeah, people are saying, oh, they, you know, he was a poor kid and he was picked on in school. You know, I'm not buying that because he bought the most expensive AR-15 that you can buy on the market. He didn't go and get a Diamondback rifle. You know, it cost like, you know, 600 bucks. He bought a Daniel Defense, you know, AR-15. You're talking almost two grand. He bought a DDM-4 V7 rifle, uh, cost $1,946 after taxes. He had an EOTech XPS-2 scope on it. That cost $677 after taxes. He also had a Springfield Army Saint AR-15. That cost $1,013 after taxes. He had 4,000 rounds of ammo. At 49 cents a round, you're looking at $2,075 after taxes. So after everything, you add it all together, you're talking, you know, both these rifles along with the ammo cost $5,711. That's not something that a poor kid can afford on his own without his parents helping him. Yeah, poor high school kid. Oh, poor high school I, kid. I was reading that he worked at Burger King oh. part-time. You're not, five, you're not buying not a Burger dollars $5,711? Oh, come on. You know, I'm not buying that. Not buying that at all. Not one bit. You know, and and this is what do you got to say, Gary? It's just it's just crazy. Um, no, I agree. It sounds like the he had issues with his mom, and nothing was really done about it. Um, I mean, what would be the protocol in that situation? Something. You know? There's something wrong with the mother. You know, the fact that this kid's staying with the the grandparents and not with the mother or the father. Something's wrong with the father. Something's wrong with the mother. Both those uh, parents. You know, the fact they just they dumped their kid. You well, know, every every time there's one of these shootings, it seems like the parents are clueless. You know, they're just not even involved in their kid's life because they don't. Know, yeah, they just don't know what's going on. And, that, and that's sad. You don't know what's happening with right. your kid. You're not raising your kids. The you know, they're raising themselves or the streets are raising them. And that's why, you know, no one knows what's going on because you're not involved in them. You don't know. You know, my my mother knew everything that was going on with me back then. We, unfortunately, we didn't, I'm telling my age, we didn't have cell phones and things of that nature. But. She was always, you know, in my stuff and digging through my stuff in the room, find out what I was in, involved in and what I was getting into. So he had uh, body armor, he had a bunch of ammo. He had, a, and he had two rifles. Well, correction, he had, um, he he had a a plate carrier with no plates. Oh, yeah, it had no plates in it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it, must it, have misread that. Yeah. So and, and, according to what they're yeah, what but they're he did buy two ARs. Two ARs, right? Yeah. One, one was a a Daniel Defense, and one was a Springfield Armory. You, you're talking, those, yeah, those aren't cheap. No, you're talking fifty seven hundred dollars. Uh, Seventeen year old just turned eighteen. As soon as he turned eighteen, he goes to the store just days ago and purchases and pays fifty seven hundred dollars for guns and ammunition. That's not something that a poor kid can do. And you don't pick the most expensive rifle. You know, if you're gonna get a rifle and you're poor, you're probably gonna pick. Something that costs around the six hundred six hundred dollar range, not five thousand seven hundred. At most, an M and P or something like that. Yeah, you know? Smith and Wesson M and P or Diamondback. You know, not a Daniel Defense, the top of the line, the most expensive. You know, one of the most expensive rifles out there. No, not at all. I'm not. I'm not buying this poor. Let's feel sorry for him. And he know, had seven mags too. Yes, seven mags. I mean, this. Yeah. Well, it, didn't count for that. Gotta add. I gotta add to that total. That's what I'm saying. Like this guy had like six thousand dollars. Got to add it. It goes I, higher. I just don't understand how this is even how he would have been able to obtain that uh, as a high school student working at Burger King. Yeah, don't know. Don't know. Um, 
and and then and the parents, you know, you know, the fact that you had parents that that drove, you know, one one mother drove forty minutes to get to the school, and was held, detained, handcuffed by law enforcement. And then eventually they let her out of handcuffs and she darted for the school, goes through and gets her kids and comes out to school. That's a mama bear yeah. right there. While well, the police are still outside. Now, what what would have stopped this um, in the immediate would have been armed security at the school, uh, what, armed what, teachers. There are a couple of things that should have happened because we back when what was the high school? What was the name of that high school in Texas a few years Santa Fe High School. And what was that in El Paso? No, that was uh, just outside of Houston. So Santa Fe High School, when they had that shooting, they everyone got together and said, "Okay, we need to do better. You know, what can we do? Because we have the plan of what's supposed to happen as far as teams, police officers arrive, and you know, and whoever arrives first, two, three man teams, you go in, and you breach the building, you're looking for the shooter, you stop the shooter, step over dead bodies. We got to look for the shooter and and stop it." So then they said, okay, let's look at the doors. You know, you have, there's so many doors at these schools and doors are the problem. So we need to figure out how do we get rid of some of these doors? How do we lock some of these doors? How do we secure them? Well, they, they have a, a prison style lock system in a lot of schools now where they're locked from the inside automatically and they can be electronically opened, correct? Right. And then I actually went to the gun range with a few companies and we tested, um, we put to the test glass, you know, and, and. Uh, for specifically for schools, you know, and we actually the glass that we test the way we did this test was this glass was designed so that teachers who were armed inside the school would be able to shoot outside the school to hit the shooter trying to get into the building. But the shooter could not shoot inside the school. And so there were some, a lot of schools were supposed to get this glass to, you know, make sure the doors are locked. You have the, the secure glass. Boom. You know, and and ele- the and here's the the big problem. The big problem is your law enforcement, your security officers, your police officers, your resource officers are usually at the high school or the middle school because we're using police officers as disciplinary, you know, individuals instead of or you know security to keep kids in line rather than for security for the right. school and to stop shooters. So. So the elementary schools have they have left, no yeah, uh, open, left. which is why elementary schools keep getting hit. Exactly. So here's my question then, Michael. Um, no one's protecting the babies. Why even bother with school security, arming school security? Why not have police officers, local police, city police, county sheriffs, stuff like that? Why don't we have them stationed at uh, have one or two police officers stationed at each school? No, I say arm the teachers. Well, that too. Every single teacher that wants to carry a gun, you let them carry a gun. Well, let's say not everyone's not everyone can carry a gun. For, but if they if they're willing to learn, they're willing to get you know to get trained. Uh, they should be able to do it. For sake of argument, let's say that there's no teacher that wants to carry a an, uh, a, a gun at said school. Why not just have poli- have a police officer stationed at the school? I mean, it's better than them uh, just sitting around and and radaring people speeding, right? You know what I mean? That's definitely a better use of the of taxpayer money. Correct. I agree. I agree 100%. You know, instead we're, you know, we're trying to, you know, yeah, we're trying to tax people instead of, you know, save lives. Okay. So here's here's my big question. We come back from the break, we got we're going to talk more about this and we're going to get uh deep into it. We also got some other news uh that we're going to cover as well. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk it. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Chad Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. The Valde shooting, the mothers were the heroes, and the cops apparently were the cowards. Uh, when, as this comes out, you know, and I, I hope it hurts, and I hope it hurts with a grain of salt, you know, and it, it stings the wound because this should never, ever happen again. We should never be in this predicament again because you know, it, it, we're, we're going to lose something as a Second Amendment community. Um come January. Between January and June of 2023, something's going to happen. Something will happen on the national level. Something's going to happen on the state level you know, because of this particular shooting incident right here and how it all played out because uh, everything failed. And it's always like that. All the different shootings, uh, the parents, grandparents, you know, always fail the system, always fail us. Um, the uh, law enforcement, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just, just a complete breakdown of everything. And that's why we end up in situations like this. And then you were asking Gary during the break, you know, why didn't, you know, police officers go in? Why did they stay in the hallway? Right. Because apparently there was 19 police officers in the hallway, you know, waiting to go in. And whoever was in charge said, no, we're going to we're going to hold our position right here. We're not going in because the suspect is barricaded in the room. And it was bad information. You know, uh, this is a school shooting, you know. And their and their their thoughts were the suspect is barricaded in the room and the kids were not in, in danger. That's impossible. If you have the entire school in school, then the kids are in danger. Yeah, <laughs> you know that and, and that makes no sense. Rounds can go through walls, hit kids, whatever, in another room, you know, or different another hallway. So to say that the kids are not in danger, he's just barricaded in a room. We're going to hold our position and wait for a tactical team to show up. You know, for an entire hour, forty is, minutes is incompetent. Forty minutes, yeah, incompetence. And uh, what's what's uh, even more pathetic is that ultimately, ultimately, it was a border patrol agent that shot and killed Ramos. Not not even a city cop or a state trooper. It was a border patrol agent, or the independent school district police department, or anything <laughs> security. Um, a father or a mother. I, I guess uh, there was a mother that did try to enter the building and ultimately did right. Right. Um. She ran into the school and she was handcuffed and then she I guess she was unhandcuffed and ran into the school and got her kid out. Mm-hmm. Um, what I what I thought was uh, interesting was that um, you said the mother the mother's uh, the mother ended up being the hero here saving her kid. Um, and these women outside and, and the parents outside were trying to get in and save their kids while the police sat around and did essentially nothing for almost an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's almost ironic that the mother of the shooter could it could be argued that she's very responsible for this, uh, given that uh, her son showed psychotic tendencies and some some stuff like that. But uh, she actually stated in an interview with ABC News that her son was, quote, not a monster, but that he could, quote, be aggressive. I'm sorry. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You kill 19 kids, you're a monster, right? Automatically. You know, uh, he shot 19 elementary school kids. You are, it's, you're in the dictionary. There's a picture of him of, that says monster. Yeah. Um, and and f- to further back up how, um, I don't know, maybe what the term is, uh, just oblivious or irresponsible, out of touch the mother was. Here's another quote. I had an uneasy feeling sometimes, like, what are you up to? He can be aggressive if he really got mad. Well, if you have an uneasy feeling about your son who's purchasing firearms, maybe you should talk to him or be a mother or be involved. He lived with his grandparents. But I, his, you know, there's there's a disconnection here between the shooter and his parents. I think she's just backpedaling. I think she's just a liar. I think she's just an incompetent mother uh, that didn't. That was totally, you know, out of touch and out of contact with her son at all, living her own life, doing whatever she was doing, had no knowledge whatsoever of what her son was doing, uh, and she <laughs> reads this monster. Look, look, this is another quote from this lady. I mean, nothing that comes out of her mouth is is. She said, "We all have a rage, that some people have it more than others." Well, not everybody has rage. No. And if you do, and you think we all do, then she, I'm assuming her, the father does, and it sounds, well, obviously the, the shooter, the son does. But, um, you know, if you think your son has rage, maybe you should check in on him. She said that she was not even aware that her son was purchasing weapons. Hmm. And, and that's, hmm. he's not going to school when, when he's supposed to, didn't graduate. He didn't go to school for an entire year. Um, didn't go to school. Didn't didn't graduate when he was supposed to. Uh, then as a mother, you're not doing something right. And then the grandfather says, you know, well, we, we try to get him to go to school, but they think they know everything. and they're not. So obviously the grandparents can't do it. So what are they doing? They're, well, we'll pray and hope, and we'll just pray and hope that he goes to school is what we'll do. We'll just pray and hope that he does the right thing. I want to know if the kid was medicated because a lot of the times these shooters are on some sort of antipsychotic drug. I I don't know, but what I do know, this is bad parenting. Um, they're they're ethically responsible uh, for this this monster. They brought this monster into the world. They raised this monster, and uh, this is going to be the mother's fault. This is on her conscience, um, and this is something she's going to have to deal with and have to sleep with. Uh, hopefully, she'll realize that she's a terrible mother, and she raised a monster, uh, and and he's in a good place right now. Yeah, at least he's dead. Sorry, I don't. I don't. I never think it's a positive thing to house the shooters personally because we just end up spending taxpayer money to keep these people alive when they don't deserve it. Right. Oh, man. Um, so we were going to talk about why. Okay, so why did the police not enter the building? They were given conflicting reports on what was occurring. What do you mean? Like you know, they said that they were uh, the. Shooter had barricaded himself in a room. Right. So apparently, the whoever was in charge on the scene, the the top, you know, law enforcement agency uh, officer on the scene, said, "Okay, the suspect is barricading the room, and the kids are not in danger, so they're going to wait 
in the hallway, 19 police officers going to hold their position until the tactical team uh, arrived on the scene to breach the door. They also couldn't find keys to get into certain rooms or something like that. They couldn't find a key to get into the room. Uh, this is, which is all very strange to me because the first officers that were on the scene were from the independent school district of that area. You know, you're the independent school district police officer. You know, why don't you have access or keys or master key to get into a room? This, this should have been all thought out and planned out, you know, long before now. And, you know, that's, I would think that's common sense. You know, I'm the resource, resource officer, independent school district police officer for a particular school I should have keys to gain entry into every room. You know, that that makes no sense to me. What are you looking at? I mean, I'm just, I'm reading this. There, there's just so many, there's even conflicting reports about what the police are reporting to the press. Right. But the Uvalde City School District reportedly retains its own police department. Mm-hmm. The school district has a police department. That's correct. With a chief. Correct. Five cops. Correct. And a security guard. That's right. So there's six of them. Right. No, and and allegedly, according to the Intercept, they engaged Ramos Ramos as he approached Rob Elementary's back door, and then ultimately McCross said that they were able to make it into the school. So what happened was the first the when they what do they mean by engaged? What, well, the security officer. You mean he was carrying a rifle, right? <laughs> well, apparently the security officer that arrived on the scene went past him, drove past him. Because he was crouched down low or somewhere, wherever he was, and thought that a teacher on the side of the building was the shooter. When he realized that was not the shooter, he doubled back. By that time, the shooter was inside the building and started exchanging fire with him and going, well, exchanged fire with him and went into the building. So they totally, you know, just, it was just botched. Well, he, not to mention, he crashed a truck into a ditch on the way there. Right. So th- this guy gave them ample opportunity to prevent this. As it was happening in real time, right? And this is and this is why people should be armed. Um, this is why uh, the people that you know lived across the, you know across the street from the school near the school. Uh, this is why I carry all the time, you know, because you just never know. I don't go to bad places. I don't expect bad things to happen. Um, but I, you know, do carry just in case. It's like wearing a seatbelt. I don't expect to get into a car accident, but I wear a seatbelt just in case I get into a car accident. Uh, so same thing with the firearm. And, and man, I tell you, this situation right here, this opened my eyes and, and made me realize, good Lord, I need to think about my plans and my security and things of that nature as well. Because, you know, is police are not coming. They're not coming to save you. So, okay, here's another thing. If they're not going to if they're not going to come when a elementary school kids, a child is on the phone, 911 begging them, calling them four or five times to please come inside and save us. This is the room number that we're in. Please come and save us. If they can't save an elementary school child, they're not communicating. The 911 dispatcher is not communicating with the police officer on the scene. This is a complete breakdown, and this is sad. If the police aren't going to show up when a 10-year-old calls them and says someone is murdering and massacring everyone in my school, if the police don't show up for that phone call, what makes you think they're ever going to show up for a grown man or a grown woman for any other crime? And all these people that are talking about, you know, defunding the police and, think, you know, we need to make sure that we fund our police departments. We need to make sure we have better training. Um, we need to make sure. You think more money in the police system would have would have prevented this, honestly? More police officers and better training and not being complacent. 
Yes. Complacent. What do you mean more police officers? There, there was a, a, a gang of them outside just standing around. Lack of training and complacency. I don't think money can fix that, though. You don't, I think, think, you don't I, think training can? I, I think training can, but we used to dump a bunch of money into, into, uh, into our police departments. You know? Right. And you know what happens? Money gets wasted on, uh, what are those uh, anti-aircraft tanks, you know what I'm talking about, they buy? It's a lot of uh, financial waste, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, here's another thing I wanted to bring up here. Go ahead. When, uh, after, after uh, Ramos crashed his truck, he had, by that time, he had sent three direct messages and texted someone right. um, uh, on, on Facebook and on his phone. He, he sent three messages. He outlined his plans to shoot his grandmother, sent a second saying that he had done it, and then said he was headed for elementary school next. Then he texted a teenage girl in Germany, a 15-year-old. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, parenting is at fault. Police are at fault. But also uh, the, just community and humanity in general here. Why did this 15 – I mean wh- what's, uh, what's the deal with this, um, this, this girl that he was texting? Well, I don't expect someone in Germany to be able to reach law enforcement enough time. Well, you could. That's something you could report to yeah. Facebook. I mean, it's through social media, right? Yeah, but it won't be picked up in time though, because that's happening real right. time, real quick. You know, you know. I don't. How do, that, yeah, that might you, be unrealistic. Yeah, who do you report it to on Facebook? I don't even know. Well, I think there's a. You just shake your phone and it says report. It's not hard, <laughs> really. Yeah, I just don't know what the what the turnaround time is on something like that. I don't even know how to do it. Yeah. So. I don't, well, he had also talked about shooting up a school prior to this, right? Hmm. Where is that? I haven't seen that at all. Uh, it, might, it was on 4chan. All right. We come back from the break. We have some other stories we're going to cover as well. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Maj Touré. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. We're talking about Uvalde Elementary School. We're talking about mothers, parents, going into the school to save their kids while the police were outside. We're talking about what was the breakdown. We're talking about law enforcement standing in the hallway, not following any procedure that we've talked about since Columbine. You know, procedures have been in place ever since the Columbine High School shooting. That whenever a team, whoever arrives on the scene in teams of two, three, four, whatever, you go into the building, you stop that shooter, you end this madness, and you start rescuing the survivors and getting the, you know, wounded out and, you know, getting uh, the other, you know, other people out of the area to safety. Now, this is, you know, back in Columbine, you know, we and we talked about it once, you know, we had the high school shooting in Texas a few years ago. You know, we talked about the doors. We talked about securing the doors, locking the doors, talked about glass at schools, uh, the high schools, the middle schools, the elementary schools, talked about security. We talked about the fact that the elementary schools are the ones that never have law enforcement at all. You know, no one's protecting the babies, and we need to start doing that. We talked about that years ago. And here we are again, you know, and, 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 and it, it all failed. Nothing worked. 
Everything fell by the wayside. Uh, and, you know, people are bringing up the fact that, well, you know, this guy was 18 years old. We need to raise the age limit of uh, purchasing a firearm to 21 years of age. Um, well, what are you going to do? We're going to raise the age limit for people to join the military to 21 then. You know, are we going to raise the age limit to someone to drive a car to 21 then? You know, we're going to raise the age. You know, where do, where do you go with that? You know, where do you stop? Uh, you have to ask yourself that. Uh, they're saying, well, the majority of these shooters, you know, are, you know, 18 years old. Eh, not true. Uh, the majority of the shooters are young, uh, are younger than 25. <laughs> and so so since they're younger than 25, are you going to say, hey, uh, we should raise the age to purchase a firearm to 26 years old? Raise, raise the age to vote while you're at it. <laughs> right. You know, where do you stop with that? You know, so when you look at the numbers, you know, if, you, if you're going to follow the numbers and look at the stats, then, you know, and looking at the majority of the shooters, then 26 should be the magic age then. I, I disagree. You know, I don't think changing a law, creating a new law, no, there's nothing that we can do. We can't create any new laws because you cannot legislate crazy. It takes a crazy person to walk into a school to shoot innocent children. It takes a crazy person to shoot their grandmother. Bad parenting. Who does that? Yeah. He shot his grandmother. God. That is some evil that I just I do not understand, and I, I hope I never meet. Um, and in, in, you know, let's take a look at what's going on in the Austin area. So over in Austin, you have multiple Austin area schools react to social media threats following the Uvalde shooting. Right. You know, it's like a it's it's like a reaction. You know, and it happens all the time. Whenever there's a shooting, and the media talks about this, you know, then there's more shootings, more threats. It just it it's like it's triggering the crazies. Um, and I, 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 I used to talk to the, the, the press, the media, and I said, you know, why do you guys, you know, why do you always, um, you know, why don't you talk about, you know, suicides and things like that? I, I was literally just bringing this up. I was just going to bring this up. Um, have you heard of, uh, the idea, like the, like the tipping point that, that theory? Not so having... there's a book called the tipping point and, uh, I read it a long time ago. Uh, and they use this example of how things trend, mm. like suicide and mass shootings. There's actually a correlation. And in the South Pacific Islands of Micronesia, there was a teenager who couldn't decide between two lovers or whatever. Long story short, there had never been a suicide in a very, very, very long time. Killed it, killed himself. And then after that, there was a ripple effect, and there were a bunch of suicides in a very short period of time. Mm. And I think the same thing is happening with Mass shootings. Right. There's one mass shooting in 1999 at Columbine, and since then it's just it's exponential. It's out of control. It's a copycat contest stuff. It, yeah, it, and it's 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 a lot of times it's people who have mental health problems, poor parenting, um, and generally some sort of prescription medication that's probably not working very well. But nonetheless, um, I was yeah I, I was going to say the suicide. It's the it's the same thing. Right. You know. So there's a there's a there's, there was a tipping point that we reached in the United States with mass shootings, and this is just going to keep getting worse unless something's done. But nobody wants to do the the obvious thing, which, in my opinion, and I think you agree with me, is to have armed security or teachers or police at the schools. Oh yeah, definitely arm the teachers. I think. Same thing with churches. Same thing with churches, because that's another place where this always happens. Because churches and schools are places where uh, everybody's always looking in one direction. There's usually one person that can see the door. Right, like we talked about, mm-hmm. the con- a whole congregation is pointed one way. Right, they're, yeah, and, their uh, back is to the door, and generally people are not armed. 
right. in those places, and it's and it's uh, there's large populations there. I believe in praising the Lord and passing ammunition, boy. Let me tell you, yep, damn straight. All right. So, um, also, you know, the NRA National Con- the NRA Conference is this weekend. You know, so that starts. I think it starts today or tomorrow. Um, and so now a lot of our Texas elected officials are backing out of that. So the governor's back down from that. He's not, he's going to give a recorded speech. Instead, he's going to spend some time in Uvalde. Uh, Lieutenant governor is not going to attend anymore. Uh, so it's looking like, and to my uh, last, last time I checked, you know, Ted Cruz looks like he's going to be the only one. So we'll see if Ted what, Cruz pulls it down. What about Trump? Uh, tr- uh, Trump is going to speak. He's scheduled to speak. Um, and the, you, do you know the reason I don't attend the, the NRA conference? You know why? Because they because the president speaks, they don't allow you to carry. And I don't what? Go, that's right. And I don't go to places I can't carry at the NRA conference. That's the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard. It is. And I was like, I wouldn't. No, I'm not going there. Wow. <laughs> not going. Not. Um. Yeah. Not Ted Cruz. Speaking of him, he doubled down on his gun stance. Actually, did he? What did he say? Um. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was strange. You know, it's like, man, the NRA conference. You mean to tell me I cannot carry my gun to the NRA conference? Yeah, that's well. Yeah. The NRA is, is <laughs> full of it, but for a number of reasons. Um, a few hours after the Uvalde school shooting left 19 elementary school children and two teachers dead, Ted Cruz told a group of reporters that policies to restrict guns were off the table. That doesn't work. It's not effective. It doesn't prevent crime. It doesn't, and I I agree with him 100. percent You know, he's absolutely correct. You cannot legislate crazy. You cannot create new laws. Um, you know, what do you do that, you know, what do you, how do you stop a person that steals a vehicle, hops a curve and runs over, you know, two dozen, three dozen people, you know, injure them. You know, we just, we just saw this happen. We just, we talked about this, you know, what do you do? You know, we, do you go after the car dealership? Uh, do you, you know what I'm saying? You know, do you, uh, go after the manufacturer of the vehicle? Yeah. And whenever people say, Oh, well, in Britain, they outlawed guns and mass shootings went down. And yeah, and you know what went up? Mass stabbings. <laughs> they're, they're, at one point, London eclipsed the, the New York's murder rate, and it was mm. all with knives. Mm. Um, there's acid being thrown on people in trains. There's mm. people running over people with cars. I mean, this Pushed is all, in front of trains. Yeah, this stuff has always happened. It always will happen. Uh, you know, maybe the baby boomer generation was coddled a little bit because they didn't deal with as much stuff as this but if you go back 200 years look back in you know like during the frontier times people were murdered all the time mm. you know it's a it's part of life not to sound very cynical and nihilistic almost but it it is part of life carry a gun protect yourself nobody's gonna come save you right you're be take ownership of your life and your safety if i can't carry there i'm not going there <laughs> that's the bottom line yeah well i mean i just don't like the nra I'm not, I, mean, I, I like the NRA. I mean, I like the NRA. I just, I just don't like that, you know. So, and I, and I understand why it's happening. I, I think the way they're, the we, the reasoning behind that is because I, that I'm sure Secret Service has something to do with it. Because former president yeah. of the United States is, is giving a speech, and during that time that he's speaking, they're not going to allow anyone to have guns in that area, that auditorium, while he's there. You know how many people are expected over the three day event? How many people? Just guess. Um, a million. No. Seventy thousand. Oh, that's it. Well, that's a lot. Yeah, seventy thousand. Yeah. You said a million. You crazy? <laughs> well, you know, you just never know. It's it's a big event. It's the NRA's annual conference. You're talking miles and miles of uh, you know displays, and uh, you're talking manufacturers. You know, all around the world. You know, the country that are you know in one location, kind of like the shot show. You know, it's like yeah. a, another version of the shot show. Where yeah, all you manufacturers get together and stuff like that. 
And, you know, this, this is that time of year for that. New, things, uh, new products are out there, and people want to see those new products and all that stuff. Our boy from uh, Defense Distributed is going. Yeah, a lot of people. The Tech State Rifle Association is going to have a booth right there at the entrance. Uh, so they're going to be there. Texas State Rifle Association. Uh, Cody Wilson from Defense Distributed is going to be there. You know, so oh, Christy Nome from South Dakota is going to be there too. That's a good reason to go. I, I actually want to see Christy Nome. I actually want to meet yeah. her. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's it, it's it's a pretty big event, and you know, I always get asked you know to, to attend that event. I was like, no, I'm not going because if I can't carry, I don't go to places I can't carry. Sorry, right. and I'm, I'm so serious about that. You know, this is this is not a joke for me. Well, the uh, executive vice president Wayne Lapierre, who's under scrutiny for corruption and whatnot, is he's still speaking as well. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And it's going to be a good event, you know, outside of they're going to have protesters. That's something they're going to have to deal with uh, because we just had a really bad situation that happened. Oh, yeah. And since, they're, you know, the event is still going on, they're going to have to deal with that, going in and leaving the event. Uh, so, and unfortunately, that's what's going to happen. Uh, and it's, But when we come back, I do want to talk about um, we have uh, – uh, cruise, well, oh man, I think we covered just about everything. Yeah, I don't think there's much more to cover. Um, we'll, there's some other stories, some other news going on around the world. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talking. What do we have? This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back. Let's talk about Beto O'Rourke. Uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke. Uh, he goes back and forth on his stance. You know, way back. Hell yes! <laughs> That's right. Way back when he was running for president. What did he say again? What did he say? He said, hell, hell yes. We're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. And then, you know, he, he runs for Senate, you know, against Ted Cruz, and he waters that down a little bit and says, you know, he doesn't have plans for taking anyone's firearms away. That guy is so full of it. <laughs> and, and then, you know, now he's back to, what is it again? What do you say he's going to do? One more time. Now. Hell yes. We're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. And do you know that the AR-15 is the most, you know, most popular rifle, you know, in this country? And you're talking about confiscating them. You're talking about banning them. That will cause more problems than they, they think is it's going to happen. Uh, if you were to ban or you were to go after people and confiscate their AR-15s, their rifles, that is a problem. You do not. That's that's that hornet's nest you do not want to stir. Yeah. Seriously, you know, uh, <laughs> that's the road we do not want to travel. And so um, by this guy saying this, and if this was to happen, man, I, I'm telling you now, I'm barricading myself in my house. 
because <laughs> some bad stuff is going to happen out there. You know, it's it's just, you know, I don't want to come outside. I'd rather stay inside the house and, and work from home because bad things would definitely happen, you know, if that was to take place. So please do not do that. You know, you're going to make you know, it makes for a really bad world, you know, trying yeah. to confiscate people, you know, that people purchase. Uh, Roberto over there, he, every time I hear about him in the news, it's not really in a good light, you know. Right. Um, I believe when he interrupted that that conference with Abbott, mm-hmm. the mayor of Uvalde or, or someone uh, oh. in local government, they were, like, they were like, you're an idiot. Shut up. I know. Do we even have the – I don't oh, – wait a minute. Can we even play that? Uh, there's, is there swearing? There's a little swearing in that. Okay. All right. Take a listen to this. Yeah. Sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down. No, he needs to get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk to so this is totally predictable when you Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you are out of line. Sir, you are out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. It's all those like you. Why don't you get out of here? <laughs> so, man, I tell you, this this whole this whole thing is just like it's it's like. I wish I could sit at home with some popcorn. It's like watching a soap opera. Now, what I think is interesting about this is that Robert Francis is enough of a narcissist to think this is a good play, Mm. even from an an optics standpoint. Mm. I mean, who sees somebody interrupt a press conference and thinks that that's a good move? Right. I mean, this is a town that's mourning dead kids, mm. and he shows up and makes it about himself. Mm. I mean, mm. that's my take on it. Hey, uh, to emphasize how horrible of a job the police department did in Uvalde, mm. I, brought, I brought up this article from uh, the New York Times that um, it's, it, it's uh, outlining this training program based in Texas that's considered the national standard. And... During an active shooting investigation, American law enforcement officers are taught that their response should focus on two principles. Number one, stop the killing. Number two, stop the dying. Mm. So if those are the principal tenets of what, what your, your reaction is supposed to be, they didn't do either of those. Mm. You know, so it's just it's very bizarre how they they didn't contain anything. They didn't contain any carnage. They didn't neutralize the gunman. They didn't. I mean, Michael, name one thing they did right. I don't even think they really were getting medical aid to anyone. And not only no. that, they were stopping people that were trying to go in to save the day. Border right. Patrol ended up saving the day. Right, yeah. There's nothing, they did nothing right. Literally nothing. <laughs> nothing. It's, it's pathetic. Nothing. You know, you're hearing shots being fired. You know, And they were in the hallway. That's, that makes even less sense. When you told me they were in the hallway, I didn't even realize yeah, that. They're right there. They heard everything, you know, and, not, and still not go in. And to say that they thought that the shooter was just barricaded in and they're just going to hold the position, that's just – that's a lie. That's a lie. Dude, because they know that they screwed up so bad. That's a lie. That 
they're trying to save face. You know, the police department in this situation kind of sounds similar to the mom. Mm. I feel bad. I didn't know it was a monster. We feel bad. We didn't know what was really going on. Mm. No accountability. None whatsoever. No, and it appears to me that they're not even really that sorry. They might feel guilty, but if you're if you're not taking accountability for the blood on your hands, you're not actually sorry for your actions. Like you're I trying to say. shirk responsibility. They don't think you're stupid. They, they know, know you're stupid. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Always said. They don't think you're stupid. They definitely know you're stupid. And they're pulling the wool over your eyes because this is just sloppy work here. Sloppy. Yeah, and then people are going to blame guns. So not <laughs> it, it's not only are there there's kids dying. There's a, it's now there's a now there's national conversation about this, and you're putting other people's rights at risk of being pulled by the government because you're not doing your job because you don't have the coordination slash balls to do the right thing. Mm. But you know how I feel about the uh, yeah, our, and, our wonderful and this, police officers. And let's talk about um, <laughs> Daniel Defense. All right, so. When it comes to Daniel Defense, they backed out. Daniel Defense is not going to go to the NRA conference. So the manufacturer of a rifle used by the gunman in, gunman in a deadly Uvalde Elementary School shooting said it has canceled its appearance at the annual NRA convention, which opened today Why? in Houston. Why? Right. The Black Creek, Georgia-based company is one of several late withdrawals from the event, which is being held just days after a gunman killed 19 school children and two teachers at an elementary school. In a statement on its website, the gunmaker said that it is our understanding that the firearm used in the attack was manufactured by Daniel Defense. The shooter who had bought two rifles prior to the massacre brought only one of the guns into the school with him, which was the AR-15 style semi-automatic rifle made by Daniel Defense, according to this news article. In the National Rifle Association um, convention, the annual meeting draws together firearms companies, gun enthusiasts, and lawmakers, mostly um, you know, oh my God, what, what, what? I just got a, I just got this story from the New York post. It's okay. a, it's just a thumbnail. I haven't had time to read it yet, but listen to this. All right, go ahead. Tell me your immediate, your immediate emotional reaction. Is. Go for it. New York post, Texas school shooter, Salvador Ramos's mother speaks out. Forgive me. Forgive my son. Furthermore, another quote. He had his reasons for doing what he did. Please don't judge him. Ooh. I told you something was wrong with the mother. Number of things not to say. I told you. Number that. one. That's horrible, man. I told you something's wrong what with the mother. What is going on with this lady? I told you it's not guns. This ain't guns. This is poor parenting, psychological problems, people that shouldn't be having kids. Mm. This kid should have been aborted. <laughs> Come at me. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so and, and apparently other people are dropping out of the national conference, uh, the NRA conference as well, so not just Daniel Defense. So we'll see how this plays out over the weekend, you know, going into Sunday. Hey, I, I was going to ask you, too. Um, why why are they pulling out? I don't understand the the they're they manufacture firearms. They've got nothing to do with this. This is this is not their not, not their monkey, not their circus. Why are they pulling out of the NRA see, event? And see, I never attend this event, like I told you, because of the fact that you can't carry is my main reason. So I don't go to the National Rifle Association's annual meeting, but I wouldn't cancel. Yeah, if I was planning on going because of this, you know, as an elected official, I can see as elected official, it'd be heartless. You know, people are mourning, you know, their funerals that are going to be planned this weekend. And if you're attending a conference in Houston, you're not attending, you know, paying homage to the family members. That I understand as an elected official. But as a company, 
who was planning on attending this event, there's to me, there's no reason for you to cancel. Yeah, I what, you're not responsible for that. I agree. I agree. If, if, if you didn't do it, yeah. If you're a public servant, which is any politician, any senator, any uh, any congressman, congresswoman, mm-hmm. you should you should pay your specs and show respect to the families that lost the victims and really just the whole town. But if you're manufacturing guns and you're going to a gun event, you, it's just I, it doesn't make sense why why they would pull out. I think that's weird. Mm. Yeah. Well. Uh, Texas school shooter Salvador Ramos tried Ramos. Why does he keep saying Ramos? Ramos um, tried to buy a gun for eight months, and then what happened? I don't. I'm looking at the details right now. It's another thing that just popped up. How much time? Uh, and openly chatted about his reputation as a likely school shooter in social media messages posted in months before Tuesday's attack. I told you I didn't make that up. Mm-hmm. Um. He asked his sister to buy him a gun as far back as September 21st, Texas DPS. That's, uh, McCraw said. That's called a straw purchase. Right. And uh, she flatly refused. Uh, he said of the sibling who was reportedly serving in the Navy, did not say what digital method they used to communicate. And the um, fact that the sister flat out refused means that they knew something was wrong with him. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bl- blame the mother. I mean, a lot of this stuff in life in general right. and who people are. By the time they're 18, 19, 20, 21, reflects on the parenting. Um, so I, I blame the mom. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that. You know, we, we've laid yeah. it out for you. You know, and as this as tomorrow, Saturday, more is going to come out. Uh, I'm sorry. More is going to come out throughout the weekend. And so this story is going to unfold and eventually we'll get down to the truth of what actually happened. Um, because right now there's a lot of lies. There, there are a lot of holes in all the stories. The timelines don't make any sense right. whatsoever. Uh, and every time someone stands in front of a podium, the story changes, you know, and it shouldn't change because it should be very fairly simple. It, the reason why it's not simple is because you're trying to hide the truth. When we come back, we're going to go over, uh, there's news uh, going, other news going on around the country. We'll talk about that. We come back from the break. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to come and talk it. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Jack Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It, and now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so down in Houston, Texas, uh, protesters are shouting outside the National Rifle Association as it began its annual convention uh, on Friday, three days after a gunman killed 19 students, two teachers at an elementary school on the other side of the state, renewing the national debate over gun violence. Former President Donald Trump and other Republican leaders lined up to speak at the event. Leaders of the gun rights lobbying group plan to reflect on and deflect any blame for the school shooting in Uvalde. Hundreds of protesters are angry about gun violence demonstrated outside, including some holding crosses with photos of the shooting victims. Uh, with the protesters, Democratic Beto O'Rourke, Robert there, who is challenging Texas Governor Greg Abbott in the governor's race, ticked off at least, uh, well, he ticked off a list of previous school shootings and called on those attending the convention to join us to make sure that this no longer happens in this country. The time to have stopped Uvalde was right after Sandy Hook, according to O'Rourke. 
Uh, the time for us to to have stopped Uvalde was right after Parkland, according to O'Rourke. The time for us to have stopped Uvalde was right after Santa Fe, Santa Fe High School. And the time for us to stop the next mass shooting in this country is right now, right here today in every single one of us, according to Beto O'Rourke. So some of the scheduled speakers and performers backed out of the event, including several Texas lawmakers and American Pie singer Don McLean, who said it would be disrespectful to go ahead with his act after a country's latest mass shooting. Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said Friday morning that he had decided not to speak at an event breakfast after prayerful consideration and discussion with NRA officials. The NRA said that people attending the gun show would reflect on the Uvalde school shooting, uh, pray for the victims, recognize our patriotic members, and he pledged to read redouble our commitment to making our schools secure. The meeting is the first for the troubled organization since 2019, according to uh, the AP. They're calling it troubled, uh, following a two-year hiatus because of the pandemic. The organization has been trying to regroup following a period of serious legal and financial um, issues there, and that the that included a, a failed bankruptcy effort, a class action lawsuit, and a fraud investigation by the New York's attorney general. Now, once among the most powerful political organizations in the country, the NRA has seen its influence, you know, go down just a little bit following a significant drop in political spending. While President Joe Biden and Democrats in Congress have renewed calls for stricter gun laws in the wake of the Uvalde shooting, NRA board members and others attending the conference dismissed talk of banning or limiting access to firearms. Larry Miller, 56, uh, from Huntington Beach, California, said he had no problem with the NRA meeting uh, taking place so soon after the Uvalde shooting. He called the shooting very sad and unfortunate and said the gunman didn't have any respect for the people's freedoms that we have here in this country. We all shared these rights, so to be respectful of other people's rights is to respect other people's lives. And I think with that kind of mentality... We should be here, according to what Larry Miller says. Samuel Thornburg, 43, a maintenance worker for Southwest Airlines in Houston, who was attending the NRA meeting, said guns are not evil. It's the people that are committing the crime that are evil. Our schools need to be more locked, more secure. They need to be more guards. And inside the convention hall, thousands of people walked around stopping at booths that featured displays of handguns, rifles, AR-style firearms, knives, clothing, and gun racks. And outside, the police set up metal barriers at a large park where hundreds of protesters and counter-protesters gathered in front of the downtown convention center. People were yelling murderers. Some yelled in Spanish. Some said, shame on you. Others shouted at attendees. And among the protesters was singer Little Joe, of the popular Tijano band, Little Joe y La Familia, who said in the more than 60 years, I'm going to get you for that, he spent spent touring the the world and no other country uh, he's been to has faced as many mass shootings of the U.S. What are you going to say? You making fun of the way I pronounce his name? Little Joe (laughs) y La Familia means Little Joe and and the family. Okay. In case you don't know Spanish, Michael. (laughs) I don't know Spanish. (laughs) Um, do you want me to bring up this uh, constitutional carry in Ohio here? Oh, hold on, hold on. All right, so 
Um, Texas has experienced a series of mass shootings in recent years, and during that time, uh, the Republican-led legislature and governor have relaxed gun laws. So even if you go back to, you know, the shooting that uh, took place in, at the high school, you know, we still got constitutional carry um, after that happened, you know. So uh, if you're thinking Texas is going to go like Florida or some other state, I think you're highly misguided. I don't think we're going to do that here in Texas. I don't think, um, you know, the Republicans are going to allow that to happen. They're not going to put any restrictions on firearms. Um an 18-year-old, a high school senior who lives in Houston, suburb of Deer Park, held up a sign that had an, exp- and you know, a bad word about Abbott's, you know, uh, you know, making fun of Abbott's name. Those poor innocent souls did not deserve that. He said, "I have a brother, I have a, I have cousins, and I want them to be safe." There is a precedent for the NRA to gather amid local mourning and controversy. The organization went ahead with a shortened version of its 1999 meeting in Denver roughly a week after the deadly shooting in a Columbine High School in Colorado. Actor Charlton Heston, the NRA president at that time, told attendees that a horrible acts shouldn't become opportunities to limit constitutional rights and be denounced critics for casting NRA members as villains. Okay, so in Ohio, constitutional carry goes into effect in a few weeks, and that means that applicants... For uh, well, no, you won't have to apply anymore. But uh, people will no longer have to apply for a concealed carry license, which required background checks from local sheriff's department, eight hours of training with two hours of live training, and complete an exam that included an in-person physical demonstration of competency on handgun usage and rules for safe handling and storage of a handgun. Um, that being said, it still is of much importance to always take a gun class, a safety class. And to know the laws mm. when you carry a firearm. Yeah. And then, so Ohio joins another state that's passed constitutional carry. And just so you know, you know, if you want to go through the, the timeline one more time of what happened, um, let's go through this real quick. The timeline of the Uvalde shooting. So 1127 a.m. is the exterior. The door was left open by a teacher. It was propped open. That needs to be investigated. 1128, the suspect vehicle crashed into a ditch near the school. 1128, teachers run to room 132 to retrieve a phone and runs back to the door. The door is left open. At 1128, two men at a funeral home hearing the crash move towards the scene. They see a man exit the passenger side of the car with a gun and backpack. And 1129, teachers panic, panic. And goes back into the school, apparently to call 911. 11.30, call 911, reporting a crash and a man with a gun. Um, 11.31, suspect reaches the last row of the vehicles in the school parking lot. 11.31, the school resource officer drives past the suspect and goes to the back of the school, um, approaching someone he believes to be the suspect, but actually is a teacher. 11.32, more shots are fired towards uh, the school. 11.33, the suspect enters the school. 11.33, the suspect begins shooting in room 111 or 112. He, they can't tell because there's no cameras there. 11.35, uh, three police officers enter the school using the same exterior door that was used by the shooter. Uh, 11.37, more gunfire, 16 rounds. 11.40, more gunfire. 11.44, more gunfire. 11.51, two more officers arrive. Uh, 12.03, officers continue to arrive. 12.03, a woman calls 911 and whispers that she's in room 112. Uh, 12.10, the same woman calls 911 again. 
12.13, the same woman calls 911 again. 12.15, members of the Border Patrol Tactical Unit arrive. Uh, 12.16, the woman calls 911 for a fourth time, saying eight to nine students are alive. 12.19, a girl in room 111 calls 911, but hangs up when another student tells her to. At 12.21, the suspect, believed to be near the door, fires again. Three shots can be heard during a 911 call. 12.21, law enforcement moves down the hallway. At 12.36, 911 call lasting 21 seconds from a girl who had called before. The dispatcher tells her to stay on the line and be very quiet. At 12.43 to 12.51, the same girl calls 911 asking to please send the police now. At 12.46, she says she can hear the police next door. 12.50, officers breach the door using, a, using keys from the janitor because both doors were locked and the suspect is shot and killed at 12.50. And mind you, this all started at 11.30 a.m. I think we go back to the basics when it comes to our, our security, when it comes to we need to maybe arm our teachers. We have two different programs here in Texas. We have the school marshal program and the school safety officer program. Uh, with those two programs, they're designed so that teachers are able to carry inside the school to protect the babies, to protect the kids. Unfortunately, we don't have that many school resource officers in the elementary schools. We need to go back to that and you know, add officers to the elementary schools because the babies are unprotected. And also look at locking the doors, securing the doors, uh, having someone assigned to each door to make sure that door is locked throughout the day. And then finally, we need to make sure that we do the right thing. Put all in place, and you need to be nicer to each other. And definitely... Pay attention to your loved ones and your siblings when something's wrong. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talking with Michael Cargill. Spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 